Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. Welcome to this Sunday edition of Heritage Bible Radio, where this week we continued in the sixth chapter of Mark, and we encountered Herod Antipas in verses 14 through 29. Herod had heard of the miraculous power of Jesus and the spread of the gospel, as he had empowered his disciples with the ability to perform miracles. And this made Herod fear. And for good reason. Herod was an extremely evil man, and he had run into one of God's chosen men before, John the Baptist. Now, we've pointed out all week that Herod is an example of a man caught in the web of his own evil manipulations. Not only did he fear God's retribution upon his wickedness, but his fear even dipped into the irrational and paranoid. In Proverbs, we learn that God's sovereign hand tends to turn a man's wickedness back upon himself, and Herod serves as an example. Here is today's slice of the message entitled, Murder of John the Baptist. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. And he swore to her, Whatever you ask of me, I will give it to you up to half my kingdom. And the trap is sprung. Herod was paranoid. Herod was immoral. Herodias was vengeful. Wickedness ran in that family. And so number five, Herodias was opportunistic. Now, we can't know for sure if this whole situation was thought up in advance by Herodias, but I suspect it probably was. I would put nothing beyond the wickedness of anybody on that extended family tree of Herod the Great. Maybe Herodias was just in the right place at the right time and this all fell together for her, but I think she was planning this just seems to me like it would be hard to pull off if you didn't put some planning into it. What I do know is that Herodias was not the least bit shocked that her daughter had, had just danced, likely nude, for her father-uncle, let that one sink in, and all of his men. It sounds like this played out just the way she wanted it to. So Herod and all of his guys are very pleased with this beautiful young woman. I'll give you anything up to half my kingdom. Well, she ran to mommy, who, by the way, had sent her into that situation. And she went out, verse 24, and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in a hurry to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Now, I'm trying to fit this all together. It, it sounds to me like Salome may not have known in advance what her mother wanted out of this whole situation, but she, she did have to go ask her. 
And so Salome might not have been part of the master plot, but the ugly debauchery of uncle father and mom sending a daughter into this situation to manipulate the wicked man, it's just, it it makes your head hurt. But you know what? Salome, whatever she was, she wasn't an innocent little girl. She doesn't seem to bat an eye at asking Uncle Father to murder someone and bring her the head on a platter. I've been to a lot of birthday parties, but never one where that's been the pinnacle. And we celebrated a hundredth birthday party in our family this last Friday. Nobody thought about asking for a head on a platter. Then verse 26. And although the king was very sorry, yet because of his oaths and because of his dinner guests, he was unwilling to refuse her. Oh, poor Herod. He was very sorry. What a pathetic time to find virtue. You might have done that before the incest, before the adultery, before prostituting your stepdaughter. Oh, he's very sorry. No qualms about adultery, no qualms about incest, no qualms about the prostitution aspect of this. But he wasn't about to admit that he was wrong in the presence of his dinner guests. I can just hear him explaining, you know, sometimes things work out, sometimes they don't. Sometimes a guy just has to murder a prophet to keep the little woman happy and to save face with, my, with his friends. How sad. So what happens? You know what happens. Verse 27 and 28, immediately the king sent an executioner and an executioner and commanded him to bring back his head. So we know this party took place in whatever of his palaces that John the Baptist happened to be at that time, so maybe that one at Machaerus. It doesn't say, and it also doesn't matter. Immediately had him beheaded in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. If I ever write a commentary on this passage, I can do it in two words. How disgusting. How low can humanity get? Well, there's one decent thing in this whole passage, verse 29. When his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, heard about this, they came and took away his body and laid it in a tomb. Ugh. We got to see how this fits into Mark. Because this is just disgusting. It truly is. Remember, every chapter, every paragraph of Mark adds to his thesis, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. How does this add to that? Well, I think it shows us that gospel preaching confronts sin. Jesus preached what John the Baptist preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the, the good news of salvation doesn't really have much impact until a person understands the bad news that you're alienated from God. 
You have to understand that and know you're lost before it makes any sense to want to be saved. My friend, is there a sin that you're trying to hide from God? You can't. Now, yours isn't going to get written on the pages of Scripture, but the gospel is all about confronting sin. And if I mention, is there a sin that you're hiding from God and you feel guilty? Look, God knows that. He searches every heart. And that's why the gospel is such good news, because that's the only way that our sins can be forgiven. What did we read in Acts chapter 4 today? No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Gospel preaching starts with confronting sin. Something else we can see about why this passage is here. This reinforces the connection between the apostles and the message of Jesus, and the message of Jesus, and the message of John the Baptist, which was the message of the Old Testament. This ties it all together. There is a megachurch pastor in America that is saying that we should no longer ever say, the Bible says, and he says we should unhitch our Christianity from the Old Testament. And I'll tell you what, he's a megachurch pastor who is a megachurch false teacher. It's all tied together. God never changes. The same God who inscribed those tablets on Mount Sinai, that same God who brought down fire from heaven to accept the first sacrifice in the tabernacle and then brought down fire from heaven to kill the first false priests in the tabernacle, that's the same God, a consuming fire with whom we have to do. Don't fool around with Him. And I would say that this also contributes to the message of Mark by reinforcing the fact that the preaching of the apostles was as powerful as the preaching of Christ Himself. And we have that same message. Herod was horrified at the prospect of there now being six teams in addition to Jesus preaching repentance right under His nose. It scared him to death. And we have that one same message. Another quote I snagged from Steve Lawson this week. He says, the, the problem with most preachers these days is that no one wants to kill them. Now, I'm not looking for assassination attempts. But my friends, we have one message. And it's life or death. It's right or wrong, it's heaven or hell. We need to preach that message just as God's Word does consistently through the Old Testament, through the prophets, through the the final Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist, through Jesus, through His apostles, through His Word to us, to the world that needs it. Let's pray. Father, thank You for making us a part of a family tree that includes all the way back to the foundation 
laid by the apostles and prophets. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.